Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Today, we want to tackle why we love our church. But I think before we can do that, we've got to talk a little bit about why should we love the church. How many of you remember the movie Marley and Me? You remember the movie Marley and Me? It, this dog was just incorrigible. I mean, it ran through screen doors every time it had a lightning storm. It went crazy. I mean, it's a little bit like our dog Cooper. Cooper's like seven and a half years old now. He's a uh, black uh, uh, labradoodle with a heavy doodle going on there. And um, Cooper is just the most incorrigible dog. I mean, seriously, we know for a fact that something's wrong with Cooper, all right? I mean, after all these years, we actually had one vet look at us and said, you know, it may not be Cooper, it might be y'all. And my thought was, I can fix that, you know? But Cooper's our weirdo. We love that dog. And it's the weirdest thing. When I walk that dog, I... We, we saw a guy yesterday walking a dog, and he was having a conversation with the dog. And, and, and Jen said, is that guy talking to the dog? And I said, yeah. I said, I, I'm a little worried because he thinks the dog's talking back to him. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I do the same thing. When I'm walking with Cooper, it's like, hey, buddy, check that out. And Cooper's like, Rrr, you know? <laughs> but Marley, he was just an awful dog, right? But you know, the moral of the story is, you know, Marley leaves and what happens? Everybody's crushed because we, we've lost Marley. Marley's gone. And you know, when Marley's down, it's, I mean, it's like a sob story movie, you know? I think what happens though, sometimes we treat the church like Marley. You know, I can't believe those people said that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they were that way. My feelings got hurt when that happened. And you know, before long, what happens is we treat the dog kind of like Cooper and or the church, like, like the dogs Cooper and Marley. It's like, you know, they're just, they're just messed up. Just, that church is just messed up. Here's the good news and some bad news, all right? The good news is, yes, indeed, we are incredibly messed up. Yes, you have decided to come and worship this morning with a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, you have come together today to be part of a terribly imperfect church. I know that to be a fact because I happen to be the pastor and I'm terribly imperfect. And yet at the same time, <laughs> did I say something I don't know what I said? Is this going to show up on YouTube? Ford, what I say? You weren't listening to me anyway? Okay, all right. Would y'all edit that part out? And if you're watching online, Jenny made me do it. So I better move on. So when we treat the church in such a way that we, we find it in its imperfection, then what happens is we, we never can truly love the church because we know how imperfect it is. Because we love perfect things, don't we? We like the vacation that's perfect. We like the meal that's perfect. We, we like the birthday that's perfect. We like the Christmas that's perfect. And yet, how many of those things actually really happen in your life? I mean, it's pretty rare, isn't it? I mean, they, they, perfection doesn't happen a whole lot because we are a messed up people. But when I, when I think about that, I think to myself, but I, I love the church. But before we can know how we should love our church, I think we have to define who's the church and what is the church. You see, in, in our American culture, we have the belief that this box of buildings is the church. Because what do we say? Let's go to, yeah, let's go to church. Or when we say, you run into somebody in the, in the, in the store and they say, well, hey, where, where are you guys going to church? And they'll say a name of a church and then right behind us, but you know, we're kind of looking 
for a church. And before long, we, we began to think that the, the building and the programs and those things of the church, uh, if we're not careful, what will happen is, well, the pastor or the, the student pastor or the worship pastor, they're the church. But the fact is, the church is a body of believers that is happening worldwide, and it has a part of the church that is the local church, like Sugar Hill Church, where we come together, and we come together for unique purposes, and in that, we become better followers of Christ, or we become followers of Christ. We become people that the Great Commission becomes a process in our life that is not linear, where, okay, we do this, and then we do this. It's not a checklist of our activities. It's not a time when we look, look for behavioral modification. What, <clears throat> what the church is, excuse me, I'm so sorry. The church is God's plan to use to help change the world. You see, the church in all of her imperfection, if the church would take seriously feeding hungry people, the government wouldn't have to try. If, if we'd take care of our own, we wouldn't have to count on the state to care for us. The church in all of its imperfection, in particular this church, does an amazing amount of things inside this family of faith. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about what we do out there. Today, I want us to take a look at what happens when we're in here. But I, I do want you to see that the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples, so go tell people my story. It doesn't work this way. I did that, okay, now and I baptized that, and now I've taught all that, I'm done. It, it is a cyclical thing that looks like this. Okay, church, go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them all these things that I've taught you. Oh, and then multiply in such a way that your church never gets out of this circular process of sharing your faith, living your faith, and, and, and being able to share the world through baptism your faith, and then meaningfully learning all that Christ has set out for us and then moving forward into living it in such a way that this world is a better place. Paul writes a letter to a church in a place called Ephesus. We know the book of the Bible as Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 5 is kind of the base of our text today to see what is it about the church that gives us reason to love the church. Now, let me put a few things in context. When we read this text, you might want to think that this is about marriage, and it is. But it does have another meaning, too, because all teaching in the New Testament about marriage, about divorce, about remarriage, I could go on and on, all of them begin to hinge right here where we find that every teaching is the picture that the groom is Jesus and his bride is the church. So every time that we read in this text we're about to read, recognize this, that when we talk about Jesus and how he loves the church, how Jesus sacrificed himself for the church, it is a picture of how husbands we are to treat wives, but it is a big picture of how we as a church are to respond to Jesus, the head of the church. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, church, Chuck, in a church like this, you're the pastor. Are you the head of the church? No, 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 no. The head of the church is Jesus himself, right? Jesus is the head of the church. You say, well, Chuck, is there another layer between you and Jesus? No, as a matter of fact, there's not, there's, I'm not even a layer. I'm just one of y'all 
that because Christ loved us enough to die for us, that upon that time, we get to go directly to God and have a relationship with God. I just happen to be called to do this. You may be called to be a plumber, but we both have equal access to God. Are you with me? And so when you look at it through this way, this text will make a lot more sense. Look in verse 25 in Ephesians chapter 5. For husbands, this means love your wives and listen to how we're supposed to love our wives. As Christ loved the church. And right behind that, it, it tells us with great detail what that means. Because he gave up his life for her. One of the things I'm most grateful for in Jenny is that I know that I know that I know that when she's with friends and girlfriends or work or whatever she's doing, I know she's got my back. I believe she can say the same thing about me because I would do anything for her. I believe she'd do anything for me. And you see, what we're looking at here is that Jesus showed us what that is to look like. Verse 26 says, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Now watch that. You're saying, so is the church supposed to be perfect? No. If you ever found the perfect church, I promise you, you'd go join it and screw it up because there's no such thing. There's no perfect pastor, there's no perfect music, there's no perfect church, there's no perfect church member. And, and we seem to be on this constant search for the hippest and the coolest and the more fun church. And we forget that we are called to love the church the way Jesus loves the church. We're called to follow the, Jesus as the head of our church. Look in verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Let me give you a few reasons why we're to love the church. I love the church because Jesus loves the church. We ask people to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Why? Because Jesus did that. Because Jesus commanded that. You know what else he did? He showed us that we're to love our church. We're to love his church. But let's make sure that we understand one more time. Who is the church? You say, well, is the church, uh, Chuck, is, is Sugar Hill Church kind of like a Catholic church where there's, a, there's an archbishop and you're kind of the priest and all this happens? No, 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 no. Th this model is built on the first century church where literally the first Christians, they came together, understood that what Jesus had done for us had cleared the path so we could have our relationship with God in total perfection because Jesus, in the middle of that, offered us forgiveness of our sin and shed his blood to pay for our sin. And in that, his sacrifice said for all of those who would believe they would enter into, as Monty mentioned in the video, we enter into the body of Christ. But then the question that I love that he posed was trying to draw the correlation between the body of Christ into the local church. And then you'd say, well, then Chuck, if, if that's the case, why do we have all these labels of churches? Why do we have First Baptist and Second Baptist and First Methodist and Fourth Methodist? And why do we have Church of God and Holiness and Church of God and Assemblies of God? And, uh, go on and on and on. We do all that because we try to man-make a monopoly on the perspective of what we believe of, of God. 
And yet Jesus is saying, wait a minute, this is pretty simple. We're to love the church because Jesus loved the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. Why? Because he loves the church. Why did Jesus die? He died so that the church could find salvation in him and be right relationed with God. And so you look at that and you say, well, if Jesus loved the church, I should love the church. But you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in this community vote for the fact that they don't love the church because they never attend, they never give, they never serve, they never go, they never do, or even sit here. You see, we tend to vote inside the body of Christ in two ways. We vote with where we park our hind end and we, and we vote by what we give our money to. And, and you know that we're trying in this, this last six weeks to try and raise $550,000, which sounds like an, an incredible amount of money. But why? So that the church can do more of what the church is called here to do. Listen to John chapter 13, beginning of verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new command, love each other, just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You say, now, just leave that up there for a minute, guys. Go ahead and put that one back up. I, I want to make sure that when you get here, you can stick with this concept. Look at the first, first sentence. So now I'm going to give you a, now read the next two words. Now I'm going to give you a, a little louder. So now I'm going to give you a, what's new about it? What's new about that commandment? You see, God from the time of creation has been teaching us to love others, right? But, but, but up until Jesus and his sacrificial death, we had never seen the depth of love that God has called us to. So what happens is this comes along and in the gospel of John, the scriptures are giving us where Jesus is saying, I wanna give you a new commandment. I wanna give you one that trumps all the others. I wanna give you a new commandment. And it says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So now here's the question. If your love for each other and for his church is where it should be, when you're with people out there, what do they know about your church? Do, do they know that because you disagreed with a decision, you went on Facebook and just went crazy with it? Do, do they know that, uh, you know, pastor said something stupid and so we went crazy with it? You see, I believe when we love something, we, we have... We have we have its back. I believe when we love something, we speak for it, not against it. We speak to it, not away from it. But what made the commandment new? Jesus. What makes us new? Jesus. What gives us new life? Jesus. What gives us fresh words? Jesus. What is it that's new? Jesus. He gave himself for the church. Now watch this. To give himself for the church means he gave himself for you. He gave himself for you, the church. So he gave, he gave us this process to become the church, to care for, to nourish, to sacrifice for. I'll tell you something else why I believe we ought to love our church. I believe we ought to love our church because I believe when the church hurts, Jesus hurts. I really do. I believe when the church is hurt, I believe Jesus is hurt. I mean, when, when, when we as a part of the body of Christ, when we go out there and we act some, some, some crazy way or we, we're, we're involved in some in, incredibly foolish, sinful nature, you know what I believe happens? I believe it breaks the heart of the head of the church. It breaks the heart of Jesus, the head of the church. I believe it breaks his father's heart, God, our creator. 
You know, when, you, when, when your children get into the 20s and they start making bad decisions and the consequences are larger, it'll just break your heart. Imagine that, how God must look at us and know that he created us to be a part of the local body of his church. And yet in the middle of that, often we hurt the church. But if you think about that, think about the apostle, apostle Paul. What was he before that? Before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. What was Saul doing? He was persecuting the church. And what happened? Jesus stepped in and changed his world. Listen to me, folks. This church is incredibly messed up. We are incredibly imperfect. And yet somehow, some way, it is the perfect place for folks that aren't. And so I want to encourage us to love the church. But why else should I love the church? I should love the church because when I love the church, I'm loving God's family. I'm enjoying being part of the family. Thanksgiving's coming up this week, and I can't wait, man. We got, we got everybody and his brother coming to the house, and we're going to have a great time. We're going to fall asleep watching football. I mean, I'm going to unloose my belt by about the kickoff, and life's going to be great. We're just going to sit there and have overeaten everything. It's going to be awesome. You know what's great about Thanksgiving? Pecan pie. If I could just eat pecan pie all day, I'd just be happy as I could be, right? But you, you, know, you know what? When all this happens, when all of this goes on, what I really love about Thanksgiving is I love the fact that everybody's at our house and families come together. I love our family. As weird as our family is, as goofy as our family is, man, I, I cannot wait till we're all in the house. We're going to have fun together. I think that's what the church is supposed to be. A church isn't supposed to come together and gripe about what's right and wrong and gripe about what the church is to come together to encourage one another in faith so that as a fam family of faith, when we leave out of here, we can leave in love with the head of the church to the degree that we love his church. But I, I, I'm grateful for the relationships. I've got relationships with you guys that I, I'd have never had apart from the church. Every, every seminary class, every class I've been a part of, every pastor that's mentored me, they've all said one thing every time, and that is this. You got to have a group of friends outside of the church. You cannot have your best friends in the church. Listen to me. I am proving that's not only wrong, that's sinful. My best friends are in this church. My best friends I like to hang out with and do stuff in this church. I love our church. And as weird as this may sound, I love y'all. I can't believe you let me do this. This is just, I mean... This is how the church, I think, is supposed to feel. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are weeks where I drive you bat crazy. I know that. If you let me hang around five more years, I'm going to drive even more bat crazy. But you know what? I pray it will be because we're in love to the degree we want to do more than we ever have before and letting people grow up in the, in, in the nature and the nurture and the admonition of Christ. I sent a note to Erica Bonilla this, this week. Last Saturday, we did a a child dedication, and one of the children being dedicated was uh, Christy and, and Hector's little boy, Levi. And, and I saw Erica Bonilla come in, and her only reason to be there was to support her friend for a child dedication. You know what I thought? That's what the church like. When we walked in the hospital, me and Jen, I guess uh, uh, last Sunday, we went to go see Miss Gwen. And you know what? It just is, what, what a joy. Listen, I, I, this church should always be there to visit people in need. I, I believe you ought to know a pastor and a pastor ought to know a people. And that, you know what that means? We're never going to be the biggest church. I'm never going to be on a screen in some other place because my preaching is good enough to be like a movie theater. You know what? You ought to know me and I ought to know you. And if something comes along, you ought to be able to talk to your pastor and you ought to know his name and he ought to know yours. When you get to a church like this, you know what ought to happen? When something horrific happens in your home, that group comes together and they rally around you and they're bringing meals to you and they're caring for you and they're loving you. 
You know what makes this church unique? Yeah, we come in here and we'll have a worship experience like this, and you want to wear flip-flops, knock yourself out. You want to wear a three-piece suit, knock yourself out, right? But you know what? We're, we're going to stay with the Bible. We're going to stick with the Bible. We're going to believe when you do that, you're going to put Jesus in the right priority. And when you do that, you're going to serve people in need, including the people that are in this building, because family takes care of family. And that's what the church is here to do. I love the church because of relationships. I really genuinely do. You know, you know the redwood forest out in California, those massive trees? Did you know that their root system is only about that deep? The root system of those trees is only about this deep. Do you know how they, they stand in the wind coming off that coast? Because those roots come together and as they grow, they begin to intertwine. And the older the tree gets, the more that those, 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 those roots come together and create and form and wind around each other. And before long, they're like a strand of three cords, which is hard to break. This is what the church is to look like. When, when your world falls apart, the first call ought to be a church. When you're in need and your kid has gone off the deep end, the first call could be your church. I believe relationships matter. I believe relationships matter more than how many people come here. Now, you could say, well, well Chuck, our church ought to grow. It is. But let's let everything start with a relationship with Jesus. Let's let everything keep on moving toward Christ as we together in relationship grow to become more like him together. And then let's go tell the world what that looks like. It shouldn't be that complicated. Listen to 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you look what happened? That word fellowship, somehow, some way, especially in the kind of church I grew up in, fellowship included food. I mean, you know how many, how many bad church chicken meals I've eaten over my life. But, but this word fellowship is like a bond that has come together that cannot be separated because it is bound fully and totally people together with the center and the core being the presence of Jesus and Jesus himself. That's the fellowship. The fellowship isn't whether you like the preacher. The fellowship isn't whether you like the music. The fellowship isn't whether you like the sign or the name or whether you, how you dress. The fellowship is found in the common core of Jesus and Jesus alone. You know what I'm grateful for about Sugar Hill Church? One of the many reasons I love her? You can walk in here with flip-flops any way you want. Nobody care. I love the fact that, man, if you feel like you need to dress up and go to church, when you walk in, people aren't freaked out. I love it if you show up in blue jeans and a tattered Budweiser shirt, you just come on in. I love the fact that you've got zero money and you're in the tank. You are welcome here. I'm glad that we, we don't check people for addictions before we let them in the door. Aren't you? I'm glad to know that messed up people come here to try to get themselves in a position to grow up and become more like Christ. I'm grateful for the 40 plus different adult groups that meet either on Sunday mornings or through the week here. Did you know this past semester, about 80% of the adult worship attendance was connected to a Bible study group? Do you know what the average Southern Baptist church in America has? 47. Let me just stop and say, well done, Sugar Hill Church. Because this is what happens when we believe the Bible is a very big deal. When you get together and you talk about things that matter. When you talk about the things that matter to him. I love the church because the church loves 
I love the church because the church has compassion. I love this church because it has passion. I love this church because it welcomes with grace. It does so in such a way that it allows conviction to happen from the presence of God, not the manipulation of a song or a pastor. I love this church because I love you. I threw a few things down, just I thought maybe you want to know about. Just in this fiscal year, which is our calendar year, we've counseled literally hundreds of church members, everything from marital problems to children, to blended families, to addictions, to mental health challenges. This church has made hundreds and hundreds of hospital and bereavement visits. You know why? The goal is not to be a bigger church. The goal is to be a church with a bigger heart. Anybody can draw a crowd. I mean, you realize we don't pay musicians here, right? These people don't get paid. These people are up here to, to worship with you. They're not paid musicians. This is not a show. When I brought Hector on, you know what I tasked him to do more than anything? I said, Hector, I need you to protect. I need you to protect the heart and the worship of that platform because I never want what we do to be a show. I never want we, what we do. I don't want it to be a performance. You know how many people have come and gone through that process? Because literally it's about your heart. I'm grateful that we have more than 225 middle school and high schoolers here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I'm grateful on Wednesday nights we have about 300 kids that show up. I'm grateful because five years ago we had about 87. I'm grateful that every Sunday we've got over 500 children and preschoolers in groups with people loving on them, most of them without enough help. And five years ago that, that number was about 212. I'm grateful to see that we've made a commitment to serve parents, not just kids. I'm grateful that we've decided that we're going to let our students become leaders and we're going to train our students how to be sacrificial leaders. I'm grateful that the Gwinnett County Touchdown Club is giving our church an award for the ministry we do through the sports programs of Lanier High School. The Gwinnett County Touchdown Club is recognizing a church, for goodness sake. That's what you did. That's what you did. When I look and think about the fact that we've given just this year more than $43,000 worth of ministry and benevolence money just in this church, $43,000, most of that was when I stood up here and said, we have a need. I, I can't believe all of the different ministries we try to provide for families, uh, baby dedications and children's baptisms and family experiences. When I look and I think about the women's ministries, opportunities for Bible studies, there, there, there are probably eight or nine Bible studies just for women. You've got Simply Christmas coming up. It, it's crazy how much is going on. I look at men with man church and men's groups and, and trying to get focused on Bible study, young adults with fun and Bible study, the app that delivers this weekday podcast to just try to help you and your friends around you be able to grow in Christ. I could go on and on and on and on. How many lives have been impacted through the life of the church? So I want to ask you to do something for me. How many of you in the past, just 
just in the past five years, how many of you could say, I know that the ministry of this church at some point at some time has truly helped me to need and bless me? Would you raise your hand? Okay, put them back down. Now, here's what I ask you to do. If in that time, this church has meant something to you and, 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 and may have gone past what you could have ever expected or were there just to care for your ministry to you, I want you to stand up. Go ahead. If this church has ever done anything to help minister you, care for you, you or your family, serve you in any way. Now, I want you to look around. That's the church. Right there, that's the church. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church? Aren't you glad to be a part of the church? And aren't you blessed to know that the church loves you? Because I'm telling you, I am. Thank you. So I suppose... I suppose what I'm really trying to get at today is this. Jesus is the head of this church, not its pastor, not its committees, not its deacons, Jesus. And if we'll continue to allow Jesus to be head of this church, I believe he'll continue to bless us in ways we could never imagine. I believe if we'll keep him in the right priority of not just our own lives, but this church life, I believe he will bless us for years to come. Because you know there's coming a day when some young punk pastor is going to come in here behind me and he's going to look at all the stuff that I did for however many years I was here and say, man, what a jerk that guy was. I can't believe they did it that way. You know that there's coming a day when there's a whole new group of members here because you're going to die. There's a 100% success rate in that. I want my grandkids to come to this church and know that not only are they welcome, but I want the guy that comes behind me to not have any debt. I want the guy that comes behind me to have a church in love with each other. I want the guy that comes behind me to never give up on the community. I want the church, the guy that comes behind me to sing nothing but Jesus music. I want to make sure that the guy that comes behind me, he is as available as he can be to the church because that's what we're to be, in love with one another. Let us never grow weary in doing good. To do that, we got to never stop loving each other like Christ loves the church. I believe that's a very big deal. So I want to introduce you to another couple and just take a look at this video. Go and roll it, guys. All right, I'm Monty Franson. This is my wife, Christian. So we got married in the end of 09, and we started coming here 2010, yeah, maybe a little, little bit after we got married. We, this church was a lot closer than where we were going, and we wanted a fresh start, wanted to start something new with our new married life. Um, although it was a bit of a fluke when we first came to Sugar Hill Church because um, we were literally going to meet my parents on Easter Sunday at their church, and through a miscommunication, they ended up going to the early service, so we were like, yeah, they they already went to church. I was like, we and, have to go to church. Everyone goes to church yeah, on Easter. Exactly. We have to go. And so we were actually just driving down 20, and it was 
like 10.58. And we were like, they have an 11 o'clock service. <laughs> so we pulled in and went to the Easter Sunday service. And actually, after we were talking about it, and both of us were like, man, I don't really expect it to be that good. I mean, it's just a random church we don't really know a whole lot about. And we both really enjoyed it. So we ended up coming back a little bit later. And I think we would come and visit maybe once a month for, for a few months. Um, but then once we got plugged in with, um, with Ted, Ted Jameson's group, we started coming all the time. And for me, coming to Sugar Hill Church was like a breath of fresh air. I think um, it was the first time in a long time that I felt that theology could be connected with heart and that you could experience the gospel, but also know him deeply. And I just came in and it was always, I mean, every Sunday I would leave crying and just felt like God was speaking to me, that he was calling me, that he loved me. I felt refreshed and renewed in my spiritual walk, which had been a while for me, even as a Christian school teacher, it had been a while and it felt like such a treasure and a, such a gift. And that had come from a, a journey the few years before that of, I was that little kid that just asked why about everything repeatedly. And um, I wanted to know why, I wanted to know how it worked. I wanted to know, well, why would God do it this way? Or how does this work? And how does that fit together? And I always, I always had to understand it. And so I went through a journey of just reading everything I get my hands on, any different theological perspectives and points of view and any, anything that was theological, I would get my hands on and read. And I came to a point where God was like, okay, I've given you some of this stuff. You've learned a little bit, but the fact is you're not supposed to lean on your own understanding. And I feel like when he plugged us into Sugar Hill Church, it was a place where it hit the real world. Um, the things that I had learned, it was like that was a foundation, that was a background, but I couldn't just live the rest of my life in a book or, or learning things. And so it had to be more, okay, how do you put this into practice? How do you get plugged in? How do you, how is God actually going to use you? Um, so that was... Like real applicable faith, which a faith that is deep-seated, but spurs you on to live it out in your community. And we saw that in Sugar Hill Church. We saw people here who were committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus, um, to being Jesus with skin on to those in their community, and it spurred us on. I love that iron sharpening iron kind of thing that happened. It was an effect that excited us about the gospel and excited us about living it out practically before men. I honestly kind of looked at church in general as a necessary evil. I knew I needed to be in church. I, need, I needed to be part of a, a local church. But honestly, I didn't often see the connection between the local church and the body of Christ, which is horrible. I mean, that's the whole point. But a lot of times I just didn't see that connection or see how that played in or how, how God worked in one and the other and how that fit together. And one of the things that I really respect about Sugar Hill Church is the fact that Sugar Hill cares about Buford and Sugar Hill and Swanee and Flowery Branch and this community. I've never seen a church impact the community like in the schools, in like with the youth ministry and things like that. It's, this is a huge impact in the community, not just, hey, if you're looking for a church to be part of, or if you feel like you should be in church, like I always felt, then maybe you should go to this one. And it's been a gift for us because we've gotten the privilege to serve. Um, my heartbeat is seeing young women 
come to know who they are in Christ, to find their identity so wrapped up in Him that they are unafraid and unashamed, and that their faith looks real, it looks authentic, and I have the incredible treasure of working with the 8th grade girls small group this year, and I love the authenticity in that group. It's a place to be raw, it's a place to be real, to share hurts, to wrestle with faith issues, and to build community with one another that supports and encourages and loves. I would say that Sugar Hill Church has provided me an outlet to see my purpose beyond my day-to-day -day mundane tasks, to see a purpose in living my faith out with these girls. And I will tell you that these girls have challenged my heart in such a way to spur me on, um, to ask me hard questions that make me seek a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. And I truly believe um, that the gift that we have in working with youth um, is a drop in the bucket of all the voices these guys and girls are gonna hear, but that God is allowing us the privilege to see these young men and women um, come into their own into fruition in their own faith and see them rock the world for Jesus. I truly and absolutely believe that, and it is our incredible privilege to work with them. Um, and I'm grateful for Sugar Hill Church for giving us that privilege, for giving us that weighty responsibility so thank you. Probably one of the most influential times in my spiritual walk was when I was a junior and senior in high school. And we had just moved, I, used to, I grew up out in Utah and I moved here and we went to a church down by Stone Mountain. And um, my junior year was very transitional because I remember seeing other students, other people my age that really cared about their relationship with Jesus. and. Um, when I, and then we had a, a change in, in youth pastors and our new youth pastor my senior year. The thing I remember most is the fact that he was not a natural leader, but he knew how to lead, but it was a learned thing for him. And that was hugely helpful for me because he pointed out that I have leadership ability, that I have influence on people whether I want to or not. And it's my decision whether I use that influence for positive or negative. It's not a decision of if you're gonna have influence. It was a decision of how you're gonna use that. And he was, he was able to really teach me how to lead and, and a lot of leadership things because he knew how to, he had to learn it. I mean, it wasn't something that came naturally for him, and that had a huge impact on me. I think sometimes it's hard for people to teach something that just comes naturally to them because they don't know the steps it takes to learn something if they just automatically had that. So that had a huge impact on me. So from that perspective, it's not surprising that I really want to be involved in the high school ministry and, and youth groups. I work with the um, senior guys here at Sugar Hill Church, and it's been awesome. It's been. It's been a challenge. It's been totally different than my high school um, youth group experience, but it's been, it's been really good. I'm very grateful for the generations of faith you were talking about, that guy who poured into you. And I had women, my mom and my youth pastor's wife and Sunday school teachers who poured into my life who said that you have a purpose, that God has prepared in advance for you, that you have kingdom value. And because of that, a lot of the wrestling and faith didn't necessarily happen for me as much as it did for others because I was rooted and grounded in Jesus. So I love Tripp's whole um, idea of what we do in youth ministry is grounded for life because that's the truth is you get grounded in Jesus. The rest of life makes sense. So we are the Francins and we love being a part of Sugar Hill Church.
So join us in uh, join us in another year of extraordinary mission and ministry. And we are trying to we're trying to do the impossible. Uh, $550,000 in these last six weeks puts us on track to do more than we ever could. And I want to invite you, don't miss the blessing of being a part of that. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.